Good afternoon. It's Father Larry Richards and Anchored in Hope, and we are so glad that you are here with us this week. Again, this is a time where I just answer questions that you have. If you're live, you can just put them in the comment section, and that'll show me your questions, and I'll answer the questions, as many as we have. And if you uh, can't watch it live and you're seeing this later, you can always just send an email to the foundation at the reason for our hope. Uh, just go email Father Larry and it'll get and put in there a question for Anchored in Hope. And then I will get that email and then we will answer your question on Thursdays at 3 p.m. So again, we want to welcome everybody here this day. So the first thing we need to do is pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father God of love and mercy, we thank you for your great mercy, your great love, your great presence in our lives. Father, as you commanded us through your first reading today at Mass, you command us to listen to you. That's your command. So, Father, give us the grace to always listen to you, to listen to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, that our prayer may always be more listening than it is talking. Our prayer may always be seeking your will rather than our own. Father, we want to do what you command us, and we want to please you so that we can carry out your will on this earth and be instruments of your salvation to the world. Help us to bring light to the darkness. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the, name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Again, welcome to Anchored in Hope. And again, our whole focus is the hope and bringing hope to the world. And especially in this time when, you know, there's so much darkness and again, I've been talking about this for a long time. There's been a lot of darkness. But again, we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the light. God is always stronger. He always brings us hope, meaning that we know how all this ends. It's all going to be fine. God ultimately wins. And we got to be the people who are bringing that hope to the world. And that has to be in spite of us sometimes, huh? just in spite of us. And so, uh, again, now is your time to ask questions on the comments, and I will get to them as I can. So let's get right into this today. Cameron says, wish I could stay to watch today. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry you couldn't stay with us. Hopefully you can watch it later, Cameron. Bruce, good afternoon, Father. Will you be following with uh, Pope Francis tomorrow on the consecration yep if so what time will it be it's supposed to be uh five o'clock rome time um and but he'll do the consecration i guess that they said about six thirty rome time so that's about one thirty our time in the eastern united states and so yes and our bishop all the bishops i've never seen any like i was in rome at uh with john paul ii when he consecrated the or the world and uh, Russia to the Blessed Mother um, way back then. But it was, you know, he did it there. But this Pope Francis is asking every bishop, every priest in the whole world to consecrate uh, Russia and Ukraine to our Blessed Mother for peace. 
So again, this is something that's going to be so unique tomorrow. And for those who, you know, there are still people that saying, well, well, he's the anti-pope, so it won't work. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any idea how completely off the wall that is? Do you have any idea? When we all come together, all of us, and we place the world and we place Russia and we place Ukraine under the care of our Blessed Mother, you got to remember that God placed the care of his son, Jesus, who is God, of course, under the Blessed Mother. And she protected him. She taught him. She led him. And so we're just doing the same thing. We're putting Russia and Ukraine under her care, under her patronage, under her prayers. And, you know, Our Lady can do such wonderful and great things. And so instead of looking at darkness, instead of looking at Satan everywhere, because, of course, he is everywhere, but God is more powerful than the devil. Our Lady crushes the devil. So please don't get caught up into the garbage. Don't get caught up into uh, the doubt that comes from the evil one. Remember from the very beginning, it's the devil who instills doubt by asking the question, did God really say you can't take from that tree? And the way the devil gets us today is by instilling doubt. Don't be a person of doubt. Be a person of faith. It's faith that's going to change the world. It's faith that's going to bring peace to the world. It's faith that's going to end this war between Russia and Ukraine. It's faith. So again, Faith looks at hope, and faith brings hope, and faith brings light. If you're just cursing a darkness, and you're one of the ones that are part of that, I mean, I can't get over the Americans that are uh, supporting Putin. If you're doing that, would you just stop calling yourself a follower of Jesus, please? Just stop it. Because here's a man who's killing babies and killing, you know, oh, I'm supporting of life. I'm a very pro-life person. And yet here's a man who's killing children in Ukraine. He is not of God. He is not an instrument of God. He's the opposite. He's like an antichrist in this world. And so we got to be on the right side of God who brings peace to this world, who brings life to this world, who brings healing to this world. That's who God is. So please, please, please make sure you're on God's side here. The God who we all worship and who we all wants us all, because there isn't one person who God does not love, not one. And so God wants all people to be saved and come in knowledge of his truth. So we got to pray for Putin and pray for his conversion. But just because he has aligned himself with the Orthodox Church does not mean he's a follower of Jesus in any way, shape, or form. Just because you go to church on Sunday and say your prayers every day does not make you a follower of Jesus. What makes you a follower of Jesus is that you obey him and you live as he called you to. That means that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means he's in charge of every single part of your life. He's in charge of your thoughts. He's in charge of your actions. He's in charge of your money. He's in charge of your sexuality. He's in charge of your body. There isn't nothing that is apart from the lordship of Jesus Christ. Nothing. So we got to make sure that we are truly followers of Jesus, that we're truly under his lordship, and that we have one purpose— to do his holy will, period. No one else's will, not the world's will, not a leader's will, God's will, period. 
And if God wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of his truth, that must be our desire. Huh? There is a time where we define ourselves as being a follower of Christ or not. Just because, again, we say it doesn't make it true. If Jesus is to be Lord, that means, again, he's in charge of every part of our life. So let's truly be men and women who seek to please God in all things, period. Huh? More than ever, we need to start coming together in Christ, come together and stop hurting one another and stop killing one another and stop doing anything we say in the name of God that's not of God. It's just enough. And again, when Jesus came, he said strong things like that so people could make a decision. We need to make sure that we're making a decision to do God's will, huh? period, nothing else. That's all that matters. So uh, let's hope uh, tomorrow great things will happen, that we, here's the Pope going to bring great light and great hope to the whole world, and we're all going to participate in that. We're all going to pray for peace. I hope you are. We're going to do it together. So that's going to be fantastic. Okay. Uh, you brought my attention to sin of detraction. Yes, it's a pretty big sin, that and gossip. But anyway, I didn't know it was a sin. Is it a sin? Big sin. It can be immortally sinful. That's why I'm saying if people are participating in detraction uh, or uh, uh, gossip. Now, again, the difference is gossip is spreading an un a documented rumor, you don't know if it's true. Uh, detraction is spreading an unkind truth. So uh, it might be true, but to speak it, to really, again, to pull someone down. Because everyone, according to the catechism, has a right to a good name. You know, and so when we just go to tear other people down to make ourselves feel better, to show that we're right and everybody else is wrong, um, that's a sin. And can be a very big sin depending on how how uh, bad we uh, how much destruction we do with uh, the sin of detraction even again there's a story about uh, saint philip neri and someone buddy came up to him and says uh, oh this woman says oh father you know i she was he was going she was going to confession oh father i committed a uh, the sin of gossip but everybody does that you know how it is you know we can just get together and we just talk about others and he goes, oh, okay, this is what I want you to do for your penance. Yes, Father. He says, I want you to go to the, the top of the hill, that church up there, you know, through the church, yes. And she says, I, he, he says, I want you to take a feather pillow with you. Okay, Father. Then what? And he says, I want you to go all the way to the top of the steeple. Okay, Father. Then what? And when you get to all the way to the top of the steeple, at the top of the hill, I want you to cut open that uh, feather pillow. And then I want you to go all the way around. I want you to spread those feathers everywhere. Go all the, all the sides of the uh, steeple and make sure those feathers go all over the city or town. Yes, Father. Then what am I supposed to do? And then St. Neary, Philip Neary said, then you're going to go and pick up every single feather and put it back inside that pillow. And she says, that'd be impossible, Father. How could I ever do that? And then he says, so it is impossible for you to bring healing to your sin of gossip. And the same with the sin of detraction. That we hurt or even kill other people. 
sometimes for life because of our sin of detraction and gossip. And if we're followers of Jesus, we want to make excuses for others. We want to die for their sins. We don't want to push them out there for everybody to see to make ourselves feel good and holy. Again, years ago, when I first put my book, Be a Man book out, the publisher of the book called me, and it was right after um, the, the golfer, Tiger Woods, had done all those discretions, you know, and gotten all kinds of trouble. Again, this is 11 years ago or so. And they called me and says, uh, they wanted me to go on Fox News uh, again so many years ago and uh, really take talk about how Tiger Woods wasn't being a man and because of this, this, this. And I said, I absolutely refuse. Why? And I says, because I'm not going to use someone else's sin uh, or their weakness to promote a book. Ain't going to happen. You know, it just ain't. And so I didn't do it, of course. And we can talk about it now because everything's all known um, and we're not being specific. But again, I just thought, um, really? Is that what we're about? We, of course, have to call people out on sin. Of course we do. We got to call the sinners out. We, I mean, not, not the sinners, not the person. We have to condemn actions. Like, again, I am very, a lot of you don't think so. Some well, people are watching, I guess you would, but there are people in the world that don't think I'm very pro-life. Um, and yet that's been my number one cause, why we do adoration and everything else. But people can sit there, and I can say a lot about how evil it is to have an abortion, and I can do everything I can to stop abortions. But for me to get up on a Sunday and look and point out to someone and say, that person, look, they had an abortion and they didn't repent, would be sinful. For me to go and deal with them privately, to go and get them to go to confession, that would be an instrument of God. You see what we're trying to do. We want to stop the actions. We want to stop the sins. But we don't want to kill people in the process because then it's the only thing, then we're not very pro-life, huh? So again, we got to be an instrument of change and we do that by prayer, by fasting, and uh, uh, not by the sin of detraction or gossip. So I hope that helps. Michael asks, Father Larry, you tend to use the same mystery of faith response at Mass. I just, I just use one, as a matter of fact, yes. Uh, is it the celebrants option or, or directed by church dogma season? It's completely the, the celebrants option. Um, there's, what, three of them or four of them? There used to be four. I think there's only three now. Anyway, but that's the one I like, and that's the one. If you ever watch me at Daily Mass, my usually my intercessions are the same. My uh, I always use Eucharistic prayer too, except for special occasions, uh, because it's the oldest and most ancient of all the Eucharistic prayers. A lot of people think it's uh, Eucharistic prayer one, which is the the long one, but nope, Eucharistic prayer. Number two is the oldest of all the prayers. It's the most ancient. And so uh, that's why I use it. Um, but again, it's, there are certain things that are options. So yes, I use, you're correct. It's a good observation. That's the only one I use. Um, very good. Okay. Harry says, good evening. Or 
I guess it's in France. Yeah, it's 8 p.m. there in France. Well, thank you, Harry, for watching us from France. It's good to have you here with us. I love France. I've been to Paris, and I've been to Lourdes, and I've been to uh, um, Ars, and I've been up to uh, La Salette, which really scared me just going up to La Salette. <laughs> it's like you literally drive on, if you've ever been there, you drive along the, the mountain and you look over and you're real high. And then La Salette is actually above the cloud line. Oh my, it was, it was, uh, it was something when I was there, but uh, I had a fine time uh, both the times I was in France. And one of my favorite parts of France is the, uh, uh, all, all, not all spice, um, you know, by uh, Strasbourg and everything over there. Oh my gosh, the food is fantastic. And Calmer is one of my favorite places in the world. But anyway, so yes, well, welcome. It's good to have you, Harry. Robert asks, good afternoon, Father Larry, from the city of brotherly love. Yes, Philadelphia. I'm going to be, uh, not in Philadelphia, I'm going to be in Allentown um, next, uh, not this next week, but the following week for anybody out in the area, I'm doing a parish mission my last parish mission of the season. Everything else will be going later, but uh, I am going to be, I'll tell you here in a second, um, exactly where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at the Queenship of Mary Church in Northampton, Pennsylvania, which is the Diocese of Allentown, but I'm going to be there. Queenship of Mary Church, Northampton, Pennsylvania. That's Monday, April the 4th through Thursday, April the 7th each night at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. So if you're in that area down there anyway, encourage you to come. Uh, it's a great way to do Lenten practices and get get closer to God. I've done uh, two missions in the last uh, month and a half, and they were fantastic, fantastic. Again, like I talked about last week in Vincent's, uh, Indiana, fantastic. Again, the priests are fantastic, and thanks for for those of you who said to Father Tony and Father Garrett, hi for me, I got a text from Father Garrett saying thank you for the people who kept coming up and saying hi. And then down in Florida, uh, for, for what is it? I keep calling it Ferdinand, but that's not true. Fernando Beach or <laughs> down in Amelia Beach, um, Amelia Island. Oh, fantastic the people down there the priests the nuns were fantastic you have the best nuns in the world down there unbelievable unbelievable nuns i was very impressed but again so much conversions happen so many things it's one of the greatest things you can do is have a parish mission uh again the people hadn't been in confession in 50 years the people finally came back got healed all kinds of great stuff again it's the pierce of darkness with the light of christ great great things can happen so if you haven't had a strong parish mission I encourage you you can go into our website the reason for our hope and it just goes to have Father Larry, get to know Father Larry or whatever it is on there. And then it's uh, have Father Larry come and speak. And it talks about how to uh, have your pastor invite me to do a parish mission at your place. And it's usually, uh, well, it's the only way we do it is four nights, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We've done it uh, also on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, nights. And it goes from seven to nine. And it's a great thing. And um, again, I'm always open to going and speaking at different places. And uh, God had it planned that I've had this, uh, uh, this has the been the least busy Lent I have had. 
and I just needed it just to to uh, heal and to regroup. And so God had a plan from the very beginning. So God is good to me. So there you go. Okay, good afternoon from, okay, da-da. Tocito, how can we grow in our trust of God and how can we heal our wounds and distorted images of God that we have? The best way to do that is to get to know God. And the best way to get to know God is to um, spend time with him in prayer. And like I said this morning at Mass, prayer, when God commanded us in the first reading today, to, this is my command, listen to my voice. And again, we can hear the voice of God in Scripture, but also in our prayer time. That's why it's so important we have silence. And I did my, you know, um, okay, you say a rosary every day, you do Divine Mercy Chapel every day, which is all fantastic. I'm not saying that's not fantastic. I do it every day, every day, every day. But it's not enough just to go through the motions of saying prayers we got to go and have a real encounter with God. So to bring healing, one of the things I always tell people is to go, and if, if you know me, you've heard it a thousand times, but I say this for the people who haven't heard it. The healing comes from the father wound inside of us, that we don't have perfect families, and maybe our fathers weren't perfect, maybe they were. But there's always this image of God because we learn about who God is by the way we look at our families and the way we were taught uh, by their example from our families. So sometimes our families are hard on us. Sometimes they're uh, judgmental of us. Sometimes we're never good enough. And so we project that whole image onto God. And that's why it's so important that when Jesus, before he went into ministry, before he did any ministry, he had to know who he was. And when he got baptized, God the Father in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, Mark 111, you have to just remember 111, not hard, 111. In Mark chapter 1, verse 11, God the Father says, You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. You got to read that every day until you get it. You might have to spend hours with it every day until you get it. You have to listen to the voice of God. That's where healing begins. When you allow God to look at you and say, you are my beloved daughter with whom I am pleased. You are my daughter whom I love with whom I am pleased. You are my son whom I love with whom I am pleased. And again, that can do such great, great things for you. And another thing that I have found which has been uh, quite helpful f for me when I am, um, if I can't go to sleep, because I wake up, like most of you know, at 3.54 in the morning so I can pray and work out. And so when I'm going to bed at 8.30, sometimes I'm not ready to go to bed, but I got to go to bed or I won't get the sleep that I need. And so what helps me is I go just to uh, YouTube and I play here at YouTube, like the thing I go to a lot is um, Abide, A-B-I-D-E, Sleep Meditations. And uh, just Abide-Sleep Meditations. And what I do is I listen to this, um, um, oh, let me get to it so you can sit there and see 
I don't know. Try listening for three minutes, Bible sleep meditations and relaxing music. And what this does again and again and again is just while you're going to sleep, speak God's word to you. And so I put it on a timer. So as I'm going to sleep at night, all as I'm being covered in is the word of God. So it's like I've said before, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. But this is making sure because sometimes, I don't know about you, but my mind can race and be filled with all kinds of, uh, I, re, oh, I, I live things over and over again, or I get uh, petty, or I get judgmental in my mind, or I get hurt, and I sit there and think this person didn't do what they needed to, and this person's taking advantage of this, and this person, and this person, and this person, and it's kind of like the devil loves to throw things at me while I'm going to sleep. And I have found this uh, just not, it's not an app, it's just a, a regular YouTube video that again and again, always it does is just, it, you know, first of all, ta- uh, whoever's doing it prays over you. The, uh, Father, I ask you to bless your beloved child here and help them to rest this night, protect them from all evil. And then throughout, it goes on for an hour. I have it set for a half hour, so my phone will automatically turn off. Um, But all it does is speak scripture to you. So you're going to sleep just listening to God's holy word. And it's a scripture that'll bring healing. It's a scripture like, um, I am with you. So then the person will just say, spend time with this. Right now, God is with you. And so you're being covered in God's holy word as you're drifting off to sleep. You know, and that can come against anything else that's coming at you in your life. And so for me, that I found that to be quite a uh, healing thing and quite a needed thing and to make sure that instead of listening to the world, the flesh, and the devil as I go to sleep, I'm listening to God and God's covering me in his word. And it can great, great healing. It can do great healing. So I encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, if you'd like to, that'll help bring healing to you. Okay. Do, 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 do. Good evening. Okay, friends. Da, da, da. So, Harry again. Father and nun asked me to have a word with our youngest altar boy, who was a lovely little lad, but forgets to be reverent in church. <laughs> what would you say to him? <laughs> I've had no experience of this my last 32 years with doing altar service, both men and women, boys and girls, I should say, huh? And some of them, uh, First of all, sometimes I just laugh at the whole reality that the innocence of children, you know, that uh, they're just being kids sometimes. But we have to make sure that they're, that they're uh, reverent during Mass, of course. And so I'll, I'll never forget when I was a little boy altar server in uh, Pittsburgh, PA, at St. Ambrose Church. There was a priest there, Father Bach, who died young, God rest him, and... Uh, I used to like to serve almost every day. And so the, the, the place for servers was on the, the you know, the priest uh, sacristy was on one side and the servers altar, uh, sacristy was on the other. And uh, I had to, uh, we had to fill the cruets. And almost every day I overflowed the cruet uh, with the wine. And so he come walking in one day because he was seeing I was making a mess every day and he come in and he, he 
And I just got done overflowing the cruet because the problem was it wasn't, we didn't just, we weren't allowed to just pour it into the cruet. There was a funnel there. And so I'm filling the funnel up. And so as I'm pouring it into the funnel, the cruet is filled, but now the funnel is still has stuff in. So I took the funnel off, all the wine spilt everywhere. And instead of coming in and yelling at me, which would have destroyed me, he came in and just start laughing. He says, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're using up all the wine. But the way he did it made me never mess up the wine again, but also made me feel not judged but still loved and laughing with me instead of uh, dismissing me or putting me down for being a stupid kid. And I think that's the best way to deal with servers. Now, again, when I dealt with high school boys, I could be very strong with them. But once when I was in Bradford, Pennsylvania, newly ordained priest, the uh, principal of the school, we had a grade school there. It's not there anymore, the grade school. Anyway, uh, we had a grade school there, and the principal called me over because the kid was being bad. He was in fifth or sixth grade. And so I walked in, and they, she said, Father, you got to talk to this kid. So I sat in her chair and she left and then this little boy came in. And as soon as he came in and sat across from me, he started to cry. And my heart broke, you know, I can't yell at a kid. I could have never been able to yell at little kids like that. So I just sat there and I said, are you sorry? And he goes, yes. Will you promise me you're not going to do that anymore? Yes, Father. Okay, that's all. Thank you very much for coming in. <laughs> Boy, the principal was so mad at me. But... It also just brought uh, that kid into a, uh, he didn't see me as, uh, because again, as a priest, I'm showing them, God, I can't tell you how many times where uh, young kids will sit there and say, can we go see God today at Sunday at Mass? And they say, well, I mean God. And they all, they're talking about me. Of course, I'm, come on. But what I do is, of course, as a priest, I'm ready, representing God. Now, again, that's bad for me because of my issues, huh? that if, I, if I'm in a mood or whatever, uh, I got to really work through it. Or if I'm short with somebody, like a couple of weeks ago, I was short with somebody when they went to communion. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, my mother died and I had all this stuff and it was just, it was a reaction and um, I shouldn't have done it. I didn't think about it, but then... I'm thinking later, like, whoa, what kind, of, what kind of image or example am I showing of God? And sometimes I haven't been a good image of that, a good example of that. Me as much as everybody else. But So I need to repent and get up and keep going. But we have to know that so when you're, when you're, if you're taking and dealing with this kid, to make sure that you remember you're showing him who God is by you talking to him. So sometimes you can just laugh and just, you know, help him feel like what he needs to do and help him get there. So I hope that, excuse me, I hope that helps. So here comes the thing. It says, why does the Paul VI audience hall in the Vatican look like a serpent? Hard to find the Catholic explanation in Google. I'm sure there isn't. Stumped at how to explain to my Protestant friends who say it's a hidden demonic intent. First of all, I've been into the hall many times. I was just there a little bit ago, uh, and I did a retreat there. I was there with a bunch of other priests in 1990 for the worldwide retreat for priests to, uh, to usher in the decade of evangelization. And 
I don't know how it would look like a serpent. Um, the, the thing behind the back altar might be, you know, the resurrected Christ. I've never cared for that, you know, when they put that in them I and they built it. You know, again, remember the church went through this whole period of all this modern art stuff. And so, um, but again, as far as I know, that's not the intent of that. Um, I'll have to re-look at that now that you got me thinking, but yeah, I don't know. I couldn't even answer that because I've never seen it like that ever. So I just don't care for the resurrected Christ. I love the resurrected Christ, but not that portrayal of it. It looks kind of weird to me. But anyway, nobody asked me. Okay. Father and nun, there you go. Uh, Carmen, how do you know if you're being oppressed, not possessed by the devil? And if you are, what to do about it? Go to a priest? You can, of course, and the priest can pray over you. You also remember you have power over the evil one. You know, we're not people who he can just do things with. You can't be possessed, first of all, unless you invite him in. And you can do that in many ways, playing with a Ouija board, doing all kinds of stuff. You can open the door to the evil one. You can also ask to be possessed, just like you can ask for the Holy Spirit. You can ask for a demonic possession. Uh, I, I encourage you not to do that because it won't be pretty. Anyway, but the devil can tempt you, of course, but he can also oppress you. So what you got to do is one of the things that can help you in your own life before you, a priest can pray over you. Of course, he has the power to do stuff, but you can cast out the, the oppression in your own life by prayer and fasting. You know what, really, and then take real authority because this is the difference. The devil tries to use smoke and mirrors with us that we have no power. Does Jesus, does the devil have power over Jesus? And we find out, of course, he does not. Jesus lives inside of you and me. So if you let Jesus take authority over the evil one, and that means you got to know that Jesus is inside of you, that you're, you're living a life of grace, you're, you're not doing anything to uh, bind Christ inside of you. Jesus, who lives inside of you, has great power over the evil one. You are his son. You are his daughter. You have great power because of Jesus that's inside of you. So don't give the devil uh, too much focus. Always focus on Jesus inside of you and let him conquer the devil who tries to come against you. It's all smoke and mirrors. He has no power over you. You are a beloved child of God. God lives inside of you. You are a tabernacle of God. That's what we believe, and that's what we got to live. And when we start bringing Christ to the world, instead of leaving him in the tabernacle in the church, that when you and I know that we are the place where God, Jesus, dwells, the God of the universe, and we bring him to everyone we meet, and we bring him to every situation we're dealing with, we do all these things, then the power of Christ can become very real. It can, and it will. It's who you're going to focus on, the evil one or Jesus. Yes, he can do anything, and he will in your life. Trust him. Hopefully that will help. Let's go back to the last question here, and there's still plenty here. Why did Jesus choose Peter? I don't know. It's often I think that was a stupid move, but... And James and John as eyewitnesses to their transfiguration. 
It had been said that Judas thought Jesus, okay, I dealt with this question last week. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize uh, Sarah's sick, who usually does all that stuff, so we don't uh, have all the things that usually I get. So we'll hopefully do that next week. Okay, so let's go back here. Do do do. Okay, Janet asks, how exact do we need to be about fasting an hour before communion? Some priests have shorter masses on weekdays, which makes it difficult for those going before work at school to eat breakfast. Uh, it has to be about an hour. It's to show reverence for Christ, you know. So again, uh, if that's very important to the, the priest can dispense you. First of all, he has that power, of course, to give you a dispensation for a particular mass, not all masses but he can give it to you for this day. But you got to watch because sometimes people just look at Jesus as a vitamin pill. You know, they come running in late and they get their vitamin pill, Jesus, and they leave. And I just, when I, I was thinking about this the other day because I was a young priest, there was a man that used to do this every day, came in late every day, went up, got communion every day, and then left. And I used to preach against that because it's using God, using the church. Like again, if it's important to you to receive Jesus, then you fast for that hour. Now again, usually like I give out communion about 20 after 7 in the morning, so you have to stop eating at 20 after 6 in the morning if you want to receive communion. Um, now let's say I do that every day, and yet one day I'm, I have to be somewhere or something, and I give out communion at uh, 6, 7.15 instead of uh, 7.20, and you ate till 6.20, well, again, you don't become scrupulous over that. We follow what normally would happen. But you got to try to know that if you're going to go to a daily mass, the earliest you're going to get communion is 15 minutes in there. And so to stop an hour before, 15 minutes after. And if it comes between communion and you eating, what's more important? Just asking. So again, so that would be part of the reality. Okay. Gene, uh, good afternoon, church. Good afternoon, Gene. Stylistic scribe. What's the difference between spiritual gifts and charisms? Well, um, I, I used to give a whole talk on this about the, the spiritual gifts. And, you know, the spiritual gifts of the Spirit is um, love. Are they the fruits of the Spirit or, or the, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? You know, wisdom, counsel fortitude but the charisms are usually what we talk about in the charismatic church and uh part of the catholic church just so you know it's part of the way that people pray in tongues people have the gift of prophecy people have the gift of uh um you know praise and praise tongues there's a bunch of different things but the charisms are the spiritual gifts that help us enter into worship and the other uh, spiritual gifts are the ones that help us to live a life in the spirit of the living God. So you need all of them. Uh, but again, you go to 1 Corinthians and it talks about the, the, the gifts here in the Bible. Forget me here, let's see. 1 Corinthians about all the different gifts that there are. And... Um, do 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 Women's headdress, the Lord's Supper. The unity and the variety of spiritual gifts is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
and it talks about um, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of the spirit is given for some benefit. To one is given the spirit of expression of wisdom, to another knowledge, to another faith, to another gift of healing, to another mighty deeds, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another variety of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one and the same spirit, and distributing individually to each person as he wishes. So again, all these gifts are to build up the body. So whether it's the fruits of the Spirit, the, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the charism, charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, which uh, those are, they're all for the building up the body to help us enter into worship, to help us to live a Christian life. Again, being a Christian does not mean we try harder. It doesn't mean that we have such strong discipline and we do it ourselves. Again, that's a heresy of Pelagianism or Neoplagianism, that we do everything, Pelagianism or Neoplagianism, that God does 50% and we do 50%. It's all God. It's all grace. So these gifts help us to get out of ourselves and to use these gifts of the Holy Spirit to let the Spirit of the living God keep have complete control of our hearts and our lives. That's what's necessary in a real way. We're not talking about la-la pie in the sky. We're not talking about all kinds of just uh, manifestations. We're talking about living the life of God on this earth because God lives inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we will live in you. So that's the greatest thing. Okay. Hope that helps. My parish in Fort Mill, South Carolina is St. Philip Neri. I never knew that feather story. I do now. It's a great story, isn't it? Um, Harry, how do you make, just to make you smile, you, as you were speaking, two of my cats are trying to both sit on my Bible. <laughs> it's a King James Version. <laughs> you must have Catholic cats. There you go. Okay. Thanks for the Joe, you joy of the bass. Nancy, I'm a member of prison ministry it's, and write to the inmates to provide prayerful encouragement. One of our clients asked why we don't feel better after he, why he doesn't, didn't feel better after talking to God. How should I respond? Thanks. I'd encourage you to tell him to spend time again with Mark chapter 1, verse 11, so he can know who he is. The reason a lot of people don't pray is because they think God's going to judge them the way the rest of the world judges them. And so prayer, though, true prayer is where we're most loved. As I've said before, all these years, I'm going to be 62 on Saturday, and all these years of knowing Jesus and praying is he's always been so compassionate and gentle with me. Always. I can't think of one time. I was trying to think of this the other day. When I go before God and I say something stupid or I'm being stupid, I feel like garbage. And I don't want to go to him because I think he's good, but it's all from the evil one. The father says, come to me, repent. I'll give you grace to change. You keep getting in the way, Larry. Let me live my life through you. So all these years, he has been nothing but compassionate, merciful, loving to me. Always, 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 always. And so it will be for you and for every prisoner. So begin, or I encourage people, you begin where Jesus began. That's always what it comes down to. Begin where Jesus did. Hearing you are my son with whom I love. They got to get that. Now for my own self, it didn't come to there until later. God spoke to me in the Old Testament. And uh, 
Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 5. You know, uh, again, powerful scripture. And again, if you watch The Chosen, it's the, the same verses that uh, he spoke to Mary Magdalene. Again, it's not factual. It's a story that brings in all the history of the church, yes, but it's still a beautiful reality. You know, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And I had to spend one hour with this, Isaiah 43, 1 to 5, one hour reading those verses again and again and again until God broke through my hard head and my harder heart and spoke to me, you are my son. And it all happened in prayer. So true prayer is where we look at the Father, look at us, instead of looking at us. Again, as I've said, too many people, when they come before God and they say, God, I'm no good, I'm no good. And he says to them, why do you come into my presence and look at you? Why do you not come into my presence and look at me? So when we go to pray, you've got to be centered on the Father. You've got to be centered on Jesus. You've got to be centered on the Holy Spirit. God, the trinity of unity, of love, the community of love forever and ever. We get brought into that great unity. Whenever we come into his presence, of course, we need to repent. We need to surrender. Those are the two things you must do in prayer. You repent, you say you're sorry, but you don't stay there. You repent so you can move on, and you surrender your life completely to God. I repent and I surrender. Now I can get caught up into the very presence of Almighty God. So again, don't look at yourself. Tell him not look at himself. Look at the Father. Spend time with the, what the Father says. You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased and it can really be very transformative to him and to anyone that's in prison. Hi, Deacon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Deacon Jason. I uh, just wondering when your book on Our Father is coming out. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Every time I get asked, I get guiltier and guiltier. Um, it's out. I got to finish my taxes here. Uh, I got to get a bunch of uh, stuff done at the parish and the foundation, everything else. And, um, it's closer than it's ever been to being done. Um, yeah, but it's coming. But pray for me, Deacon, that uh, uh, the Lord just gets it done through me. Hollow also has some nice songs and talks to help me fall asleep. I've heard Hollow has some good stuff in it too, yes. Uh, but that's an app, and I think it costs stuff. This is free on uh, YouTube, and I don't think it's Catholic. Uh, and it's probably Protestant, but the Word of God's the Word of God. Okay, do you recommend general confessions, and what exactly are you to do? I don't recommend general confessions unless you haven't been to confession in a while. But some people want to make a general confession when they go to confession every week. You should make a one general confession in your life, of course, where you get out everything that you haven't uh, confessed before. So you can do that, but you don't have to spend hours on it. You can just, and again, like sometimes people come to confession and they want to tell me all the details of their sin. You do realize that doesn't help me and it doesn't help you either. Sometimes it sounds like it's bragging. You need to acknowledge it, but you don't have to go into great details. I don't want to know the details, especially sexual sin. I don't want to know it. I don't need to know it and you don't need to share it. What you do have to do is say, I committed this sin and how many times about again. You don't have to go like, I did it. Uh, it's been 40 years since my last confession. I was very sexual promiscuous. Sec I was very promiscuous sexually 40 years ago, you could say. You don't have to go through every detail. You can just say you did it a lot. You didn't know God in those days and put it under a general confession. 
But you still, one of the best things to do with that is to go, like you can go to my website, thereasonforourhope.org, and you can go and you'll say the sin list. And this sin list are the sins that need to be confessed. And it's in uh, English and it's in Spanish. But you just go to the website, thereasonforourhope.org, and you look and put in there the sin list, and you'll see it's, it's on my, my, my webpage. It's on my Get to Know Father Larry. It's also under the, the documents that need to be downloaded for a parish mission. All that stuff's on there, but it's just called the sin list. And it begins uh, at A, and it goes all the way to uh, uh, pornography, and it goes beyond that, too. I can't remember the, But it's a very good thing. It'll help you make a good examination of conscience. So it makes sure that you confess them. Just don't take that with you when you go to confession because then the priest will kill me. It's really, really, really bad. It just helps you to make sure you've covered the big things, and that's what you do. And you just do that once because once you confess it, it's all gone. And if you've confessed it before, you don't have to confess it again. Again, I always say it's giving glory to the evil one. Once it's confessed, it's gone. Let it be done forever. Okay, it's 3.33 p.m. I know, I found you on live chat, so happy. There you go. Thank you, Marion. CJ, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Very good, CJ. And nothing will be able to hurt you, absolutely. Hi, Audrey. Ditto, Father, listening to scriptures to fall asleep. It's awesome, it brings peace. It does, relief from pain. It's his presence. It's, only, it's my only rest. Very good, Audrey. Patrick, confession. I'm in a car alone with windows closed. I get mad at the other drivers and I yell at, to get off the phone. They are not here, me. There are no fingers involved. Do I need to confess that? You can confess in patience. I am not a good driver either. I often think, you know, when I was a, a young priest, I there was an, another car passed me and they're swearing at me and everything else. And when, I, when the car finally passed me, I saw it was a priest, an older priest who I had known, of course. And I go, oh, but I've done that. You know, uh, I mean, that's the whole point. You know that uh, uh, I can be a very impatient driver myself. And so it's a constant repentance and constant like, you know, you got to change my heart, God. Now you I got to make sure he has permission for that. But yes, you need to confess being impatient or if you said some nasty things. But impatience uh, covers a lot of sins. It covers mine too. Anyway, hi, Father. Hi, Bear Daddy 4. So, CJ, then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Very good. Personalization. I am a beloved son, daughter of the Father, and he is well pleased with me. Yes, but again, that's still keeping you focused on you. Let the Father speak that to you, too, that look at him as he says, you are my son. You are the one I love. Because, and we, have, we can personalize it for ourselves, but we got to make sure we hear the Father speak to that instead of, this isn't just like some um, pep talk or some kind of uh, good thinking. This is a life-changing of the heart from the very words of the Father. When God the Father commands us today and he says, listen to me, we need to make sure that we listen to our Father as he says this to us. Okay. What is your take on the universal salvation as far as Hans... um, Well... God wants everyone to be saved. That's in the mind and heart of God. It's scriptural. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. 
John Paul the Great, the great Saint John Paul II, talked about in his book, uh, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, we talked about last week, that um, we know that hell exists, but we don't know if anyone's there, he said. And this is a great Fatima follower when Our Lady said to uh, the one seer, people go to hell like snowflakes in a snowstorm. And yet here's what John Paul said. And so uh, he says, we can't even say that uh, um, Judas is in hell from Scripture. So I was, I was a young seminarian when I read that, and I still was like, really? How can the Pope say this? You know, people get in Francis's case, but this John Paul said. Anyway, um, so we got to make sure that we have the same heart as God. The reason I don't believe in universal salvation no, I do believe it, if you will. But the church is always, what God gives us is free will. So if I don't want to be saved, if I don't want to be with God, he will not make me. So that's why, you know, I, don't, I can't buy it, if you will, because then it takes away our free will. And then what's the point of earth? Why are we born? Why do we suffer? Does God just like to watch us suffer? Don't worry, I'm going to bring you all to heaven anyway. Well, what kind of God makes us go through all this struggle we have on earth then? What kind of God would do that? Earth is for a purpose. We can make a choice. We choose to be with God or we choose not to be with God. And God will give us what we want. So God wants everyone to be saved and he gives the grace for everyone to be saved. But he also gives them free will. And that's what stops most people from being saved is they choose something other than God, and God gives them what they want. So I hope that helps. Okay. I always feel bad about falling asleep listening to Scripture. Oh, it's okay. I just hope a priest doesn't feel bad looking at us nodding off as he speaks. People nod off as I speak all the time. No big deal. Happy early birthday, Father. Thank you. Um, my classmates are taking me out. Well, two of my classmates, the other one's doing something else, which normally happens. But anyway, um, we're going to go have a night. You know, like we always get to pick where we're going to go. And so I always go for very basic. I'm going to like a, the U Pick Six in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's just a, uh, a brewery type thing. It has flatbreads and burgers. And I am a burger and beer type person. Last year on my birthday, I it was a Friday, so we went to the other place. There's this guy who has a, like a same type of thing at different places in Erie. And we went to the one up on Peach Street. And so I'm sitting there drinking beer. And don't worry, I didn't get drunk or anything, but I enjoy a good beer. And I had a, a cheese flatbread because it was a Friday of Lent. But the next day when I woke up is when the day I end up uh, having that uh, darn uh, kidney stone <laughs> and the beer pushed the stone and it pushed it into a place that caused me all the pain and I'm in the emergency room and everything else the day after my birthday last year so I says we don't want that to happen again this year <laughs> no 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 so there we go um I see Jesus praying for you and all priests and Pope Francis good job keep praying hi father I hope this isn't a bad question but why doesn't God stop the war and stop Putin uh, hopefully he will but again, it all comes down to free will, huh? That's always the kick that God gave free will to Satan and that Satan 
and he chose not to be with God. I will not serve, and he's thrown out because God gave him what he wanted, but now he does all this havoc in our lives. Why does God allow that? I don't know. Why does God allow, uh, just like, like again, like I said last week, I, I said, God, why don't you just take that guy home? You know, just get him off this earth. Uh, God, we don't, we'll never understand until we're on the other side. We're always looking from the keyhole of our own pain, our own situation to eternity. And until we turn around and we can look back, only then will we understand. But gosh, I surely don't understand. And I don't tell God how to be God, but there are times I want to. It's good he doesn't listen to me. How do I handle my aggress aggression at church with people who are having a social hour before Mass? I like to go early and prepare myself through prayer. It's really becoming worse as time goes on. Well, Jane, that's your greatest thing because now you can pray for them and pray for their salvation, and then your prayer will become more real because when it's just about you and how you pray, you should be praying always and your daily prayer. And so when you go to Mass, that's community time. It really is, you know, and so... But you need to be bringing these people that are the ones that are driving you most crazy are the ones that are trying, God's trying to use to make you holy. So everyone, while you're kneeling there, say, Lord, I bring them to you. I ask you to touch their heart, help them know how much you love them. Lord, I offer up my uh, uneasiness for their and their salvation. Now you're being like Jesus, and that makes it more and more real. Okay? Happy birthday, Father. Thank you. Joyful blessings. Thank you all very much. So... I encourage you to, I promise you, I pray for you every day. We got to go. And uh, I ask you to please pray for me. Uh, please continue to pray for the soul of my mother, Sandy. Uh, pray for healing for my family. Uh, it's still, it's not a month yet. And uh, again, it gets worse as, uh, for me instead of getting better because it was very easy while it happened. But now it's just all like hitting me like, oh my. Um, so, your prayers are very much appreciated. And know I pray for you and I love you. And God willing, we'll see you at Mass tomorrow because I usually don't have Mass Friday morning, those uh, who watch daily Mass. But Father Ian's out of town, so I'll be saying Mass tomorrow and, of course, Sunday. And again, all next week. I don't go to my parish mission until the following week. So uh, pray for me, and I'll see you, God willing, next uh, Thursday at 3 o'clock on Anchored in Hope. God bless you. The Lord be with you, with your spirit. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. See you later.